Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike. I'm Spencer. And on today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the game Terraforming Mars. That's right, Terraforming Mars. We actually played this game for the first time, maybe just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been wanting to play it for a long time. Yeah, it's been on my radar for a while. It's, I mean, it's the hot game. It has been that game for a while, at least for a lot of people. It's still on, like, the top 20, isn't it? Or top 50, at least. For Board Game Geek? Yeah, yeah absolutely. For those of you who don't know, Terraforming Mars is a resource management game with one to five players, and you all play as mega corporations tasked with terraforming Mars. Yeah, it's it's interesting in that it is a it is a competitive game. You are trying to play against one another to build this utopia on Mars, but at the same time, you're sort of working alongside one another because you don't want Mars to be a disaster zone where nobody can live. So you're all sort of working together. But the goal is starting with nothing, starting with Mars itself. Can you produce a livable space for people? And the winner is the person who helped the most. Yeah. Who, who contributed the most? Who was the best helper, Who's the best mega corporation? Exactly. Uh, it's funny, actually, while you're playing the game, you can do stuff like send a rogue asteroid to destroy certain things that your your other mega corporation pals are building. Um, so there are a little ways to, like, underhand the other people, but ultimately, yeah, you're working together to build a better world. I think when we were playing, you had birds eat my plants or mm-hmm. something like that. Or something yeah. along those lines. There was <laughs> there was a little bit of foul play, but ultimately we did get Mars to foul a Foul li- oh, play? Oh you didn't realize you did that. We eventually got <laughs> Mars to a livable situation through the act of terraforming. Yes, and so if you don't know what terraforming is, we will explain that. Right now. Let's get into it. Yeah, so terraforming or earth shaping is the act of taking a planet or moon or something that's not habitable and making it habitable. So giving it the right formula for living organisms to survive or humans. Yeah, because it's it's under the idea of life as we know it, life here on earth. How does what is required for us to live and how can we recreate that in a place that does not have it? The, the term terraforming came about actually from science fiction, and it, it pops up a lot in science fiction and in various media. Um, but the idea of shaping Earth and things like that is obviously older, and some people use terraforming as a word just simply to, like, sculpt the like your yard, to add, like, a, uh, a small hill to an area or to shape your yard. Some people might call that terraforming, and yes, it is technically Earth-shaping, but we're talking about the... The grand scale, turning the moon, or in this case, Mars, into a place that we could eventually live on. So your neighborhood association is making you terraform your yard. That's I, I don't think I've ever heard of that. It's <laughs> way more fun when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah, so what we mean by terraforming or making it more habitable, we're talking about deliberate changes in the atmosphere, in the temperature, and in the actual ecology of the entire planet or yard or uh or moon or or rock that's floating through space and in the game terraforming mars those are two at least two of those are aspects um for sure that you have to regulate in order to start building different patches of grass or something being the atmosphere and the temperature yeah absolutely this is again also similar to the idea of planetary engineering which is changing a planet through technology 
but without necessarily the goal of making life sustainable there, but purely just to shape a planet in a way that maybe makes it more easy, easier to mine on rather than have anybody long-term live there. Or geoengineering, which is what people really mean when they're talking about terraforming their yard, is any kind of engineering or changes to our Earth. But at a bigger scale, it's using things to like address our greenhouse gas problems or the hole in the ozone layer or addressing climate change. Any kind of technological solutions we have to that is considered geoengineering, which yeah. is still different than terraforming. So when you take out your recycling, you're geoengineering. More or less. So keep it up. <laughs> so so when looking at a planet and looking at characteristics to host life on the planet, there are a couple things you're looking for. Large amounts of liquid water, which is another aspect of the game. Um, before the game can actually end, you have to have all the water on Mars that you can place on the little tiles. Uh, an energy source for for food, basically, for, for humans as well as other creatures. And then um, having a solid like ground that's not like you're not building a, a giant metal steel or a steel like planet you're you have earth below you that's comprised of uh minerals and rocks and all sorts of stuff because the idea of having like a cloud city like bespin in star wars is very fun to think about but not nearly as practical as finding a planet that is actually made of rock and metal that we can solidly land things on and build upon. Yeah, there's probably more energy to keep that cloud city up than actually is being produced yeah, in the city itself. It's a very fun idea from a, like a sci-fi sort of perspective, but if we're looking at terraforming in any kind of realistic sense, it's got to be terrestrial. It's got to have rocks. It's got to have minerals that we can stand on at the end of the day. Absolutely. So speaking of like mass and atmosphere, so there's a lot of things that scientists have to think about when it comes time to finding a place to terraform they they have ideas of all these different locations that might be habitable and there's i mean the equation is so long to consider all the different assets and all the possible things that could go right and could go wrong so i just want to talk to you about the link between the mass of the body be it a moon or a planet and the atmosphere that that layer of gases that surround it that keep the temperature going how linked those two things are and how they are, oh my God, they can go wrong so quickly in terms of the, the fine balance between them. Well, it's such an important thing to remember when terraforming a planet, mm -hmm. as you would, uh, is the atmosphere. I mean, it's it's the thing that will hold in life. Right. So the reason the moon has no life is because there's no atmosphere. Uh, Mars could potentially have life, and that's why it's one of those places that we look at in order to terraform or, or in a sense like a potential place to terraform so when we talk about mass we're talking about smaller or larger mass purely relative to comparing it to mars so smaller mass bodies have less gravity which we'll get into the problems of having less gravity in a little bit but it also means it's far less likely to actually have an atmosphere in the first place and if there's no atmosphere first of all there's no oxygen or gases for us to be able to breathe naturally just on the planet but it's going to be very very cold because atmospheres are responsible for trapping those greenhouse gases and keeping the planet heated up so planet sweater yeah you'd have to wear <laughs> quite a few sweaters oh no it's the planet sweater oh yeah it's exactly a, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, that's perfect yeah. i love that mars has one mars does have uh an atmosphere but it's thin and so we'll get into the problems with a thin atmosphere in a little bit as opposed to 
large bodies, large mass planets, where in theory you could have a huge atmosphere, which you might think is super great. More atmosphere means tons of gases and tons of ability to keep the place warm. And you're right, but it keeps it too warm because we also need a certain uh, shrinkage of the, the atmosphere so that those greenhouse gases can actually escape the planet. Yeah, they bounce around and keep things warm, but if they have no means of escaping, if they're trapped there forever, those planets are going to be way too hot. Venus is an example of that. Exactly. So, like, even though Venus is second planet away from the sun, it is has a hotter surface than Mercury, which is closer to the sun because of that thick atmosphere that's just trapping all those gases inside. It's like, it's like a Dutch oven. <laughs> you know when you fart under a blanket? Oh, yeah, I heard you. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, like Spencer was saying, the body would need to be big enough to have an iron core in the middle. And that actually gives us our magnetic field, uh, which is essential to blocking out any radiation and uh, from the cosmos and stars and other sources uh, in the universe, which there are still are tons that we don't know about. There's a movie, I don't know if you saw the movie The Core. No. Oh, the idea is that the core stopped, like, moving. Oh, so we lost our magnetic field. So we lost our magnetic field, and bad things were, like, happening. All these storms were were occurring, and and so they drilled into the Earth and set off nuclear (laughs) explosions to kickstart the core again. That sounds about right. Yeah, that's all you need to do. Nukes. What can't they do? (laughs) So... That's the Goldilocks idea. It's got to be not too big, not too small, just the right size with just the right atmosphere to host just the right amount of gases to host life. So, yeah, that's what we're looking for. If it's going to be terraformed, it's got to have all of those things. So we're going to talk about our best candidate for this, Mars, the whole point of this game. But let's talk for a second just about some examples of terraforming that we've seen in fiction because maybe some of those examples will help ground our understanding of what we're talking about exactly when we're talking about terraforming. So uh, the two that came to mind as I was looking at this sort of stuff was actually uh, Dune, first of all. Did you ever read the novel Dune? I remember watching some the of... The movie? <laughs> no, no, it, was, it wasn't a series, was it? Well, I don't know about a series, but there was a horrible movie that Maybe came out of the, the 80s. Maybe it was horrible movie that I watched. <laughs> it was in my sci-fi fantasy literature class. Of course, we watched a movie. Sure, sure. <laughs> Dune is a, an interesting idea because it's a it's a it's a harsh desert planet, but it is essential because it produces this one spice that everybody in the whole galaxy needs. But there's this idea of trying to eventually turn the planet into a, a place that has running water and everything like that. Because, for example, the capital planet in that galaxy has satellites that have weather controlling capabilities, and so there's the idea of can we eventually terraform? Arrakis, the the planet that this takes place on, to be a place that we can all live on, which eventually gets turned on its head because then eventually they realize how valuable the spice is, and so they want to terraform all the other planets into desert planets instead later on in the novel series, if you read the the later books. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's an interesting kind of twist on the idea. Uh, But that's that's a concept of taking a, a, a place where... Life is struggling to get by and turning into a place where it can thrive. That's the goal. Hmm. Uh, What was the other one that you had? Oh, the other one I had was War of the Worlds, which is actually an example of our planet being terraformed. Another book I haven't read. 
but the movie didn't seem like it was a like embracing the terraforming aspect. So it's it's not a huge it's not a, like a, a huge theme to the book, but the idea is that these these aliens that show up on Earth, they bring these horrible kind of like it's this red like creeping almost like a vine like the the vines that crawl over all of our buildings here in Chicago sort of thing and they these red vines just kill everything that they get in contact with and they they are an incredibly invasive sort of species but it is helping these aliens establish themselves on the planet like that's what they live in that's the they they live in that sort of environment so they need to create our earth to that sort of environment so that they can sustain themselves problem is kind of related back to our pandemic episode they are not immune to our diseases that they have here. Once they get exposed to some of the human element, it actually backfires disastrously on ah. them. So terraforming is a very complicated process, it seems. <laughs> you have a lot of factors that you need to keep in keep in mind. Uh, so my example was uh, uh, Total Recall, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not, yeah. the, not the newer one. Uh, but the idea is he leaves Earth and goes to Mars, where there's a big thriving colony, but Mars is still the red planet. However, they are able. It's like it's like a poor colony, mm -hmm. and there's like it's a very grunge, punky kind of place. Uh, but at the very end of it, a spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it, go see it anyway. Uh, but at the very end of it, something happens with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he gets blasted out of the colony with this other person. And they're outside in the Martian atmosphere, and like he's choking, and his eyes get all buggy, <laughs> and it looks horrible, and it's like clearly a puppet that sure. they're using. Uh, but then all the oxygen and carbon dioxide from the colony shoots up into the atmosphere like a, like what a volcano would look like when it was coming out. Mm. And it instantly, like that, uh, terraforms the planet. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> like it gives it an atmosphere like that. Why like, didn't we oh, think about that earlier? Before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's fun to think about these ideas, and we have plenty of ideas in fiction that we can look to for this. But let's, we're going to focus in on Mars here. That's probably mm -hmm. our best candidate these days for what we could potentially terraform. And it happens, to, again, to be the topic of the game we're talking about. So we're going to go to Mars here in a second. Let's go to Mars! But first, a break. And we're back. We're back. We're back. What were we talking about? Terraforming Mars? Something like that. Something like that. So you might be thinking, how do we get some cool Mars cities laid down? I'm thinking that. How do we get some cool Mars cities laid down? I, I mean, I love your thinking. I love that idea. The problem is that concept right there is more of an issue of colonizing Mars, which is like, that's got political problems that we don't really need to deal with right now. And we can't really even consider the idea of colonizing Mars, you know, establishing cities and anything like that, without the planet being livable in the first place. So we've got to terraform it. Okay. So why Mars? Well, we might run out of a lot of things here on Earth, like food and water, and even space, with the population growing so rapidly. Uh, and also, Mars specifically, because it might have been Earth-like at some point. So it, it potentially could be the best place to be Mars. It's also right at the edge of the Goldilocks zone. Mm -hmm. That could also potentially. It's also got a bunch of ice. It does. It has ice on it at mm -hmm. the at the poles. So 
there's some there's some potential there. There's also a lot of dangers to the current Mars, at Pish least. Posh. So we've got to we've got to get past a couple of hurdles here. First of all, let's talk about gravity, gravity and pre- pressure, atmospheric pressure. The gravity on Mars is only about thirty eight percent of Earth's gravity. Sounds fun. It sounds like a great time because we'd be doing some sick jumps all the time. But it is actually not a not that great for us to have gravity be that low. Our our bodies grow and develop based off of the gravity that we're used to here, and so. If gravity was lessened to such a great de- degree, there would actually be some pretty detrimental impacts on our body. Um, we've seen this from astronauts who spend large amount of times in space. Weightlessness has problems. It has heart problems. It has you know blood flow problems. But it even has th- things some like your muscle development. Does your your muscles start to atrophy in space and bone density starts to evaporate and so. We become very frail without gravity. Gravity actually is our constant workout that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, gravity goes hand-in-hand with exercising, which goes hand-in-hand with breathing. Because you need to breathe to exercise. Uh, The atmosphere is so thin on Mars. How thin is it? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Uh, And it's got really low planetary pressure. That Since we can't breathe, we would need to raise the pressure so the liquids don't boil away. And uh, we probably will need to move around in pressurized suits until we can stabilize that atmosphere. We'll also probably need some sort of breathing apparatus with oxygen built into it. I mean, if we're wearing suits, it's probably all built in anyway. But at least for the potential beginning of our terraforming process. Maybe eventually the pressure will stabilize, but you would still need that breathing apparatus. And these are these are problems that you actually address in the game terraforming Mars. Like you would try and establish an atmosphere that it has a certain degree of oxygen so that we can live. One thing that I didn't see at least manifest in our playthrough of the game, and is probably the biggest problem with Mars right now, is there is no magnetic field or shield essentially. And without that, the planet is just getting constantly bombarded by cosmic radiation, solar rays, and things like that. And because of that, it makes it impossible, essentially, to develop any kind of atmosphere. So as much as we like to think about, oh, yeah, just build up an atmosphere real quick so that we can breathe in it, that atmosphere, even if we were to construct it, would dissipate pretty quickly with all of the damage from the sun. And this is not a sunburn I'm talking about. We're not getting really tan on Mars. Our DNA is going to fall apart. And with that, at a genetic level, we are just deteriorating. Deteriorate. Yeah, deteriorating. 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 No, that's a good one. <laughs> I still think we should go the core route and dig into Mars, launch some nukes, get that it core started It works so again. well in the movie, in the movie I it assume. it works so well. I'm just surprised they survived. That's the only unrealistic thing in that movie. <laughs> that's my problem. <laughs> so like we said before, why Mars? Mars is in this habitable zone. It's in that Goldilocks zone. And it's at the the farthest reach of where the sun can really affect a planet and which liquid water could actually be supported. So in order to do that, where atmosphere needs to be developed or redeveloped, and there actually used to be, like we were saying on the poles, evidence of large amounts of water, like whole oceans. So hopefully, maybe if we start terraforming, we can bring it back to that point. So if that is the goal, how are we going to do it? Well, we need two things related to each other, and we've alluded to them a lot. Build up that atmosphere and, in turn, raise the temperature. 
That's that whole concept of greenhouse gases. That seems feasible. There are a number of theories on how we could do that. The tricky part is that lack of magnetic field or magnetosphere, which is the single coolest sounding thing in all of this episode. <laughs> so the atmosphere problem, easy enough. All we would really need to do, super, easy. super simple, is you just introduce chemicals. There are, there are compounds that you could, in theory, introduce that would work alongside the CO2 levels that are already on Mars, and it would eventually kind of produce and push forward a greenhouse gas effect that would help create and strengthen an atmosphere and then, in turn, heat up the planet. And that's great. The planet would become at least warm enough for things to live on, potentially. Uh, another one which I find fascinating is some more sci-fi-esque sci proposals is taking giant mirrors and focusing the sun's rays to heat up and warm Mars itself, which I never thought about that. I mean, it's I guess it's not scientifically based, but it's sci-fi. But it's just still fascinating that we could potentially do it from, like, around Earth, opposed yeah. to traveling all the way to Mars. Exactly. And if there are those, like, caps up there, if we just... It's like pointing a magnifying glass at something. You just heat those caps up, and maybe water will stick around. But you still need an atmosphere in order for that that water to not just boil up instantly and be destroyed. Yeah, so step one, atmosphere. Step two, oceans. Exactly. Step four, profit. <laughs> which has that mysterious third step, which we still really don't know how to solve, the magnetosphere, the magnetic field. There are theories out there right now that, that are basically, let's try and create an artificial magnetosphere, and it would be one... Unlike kickstarting one inside the center of the planet with nuclear weapons, would instead be using, essentially generating an artificial shield that would be placed between the planet Mars and the Sun. It seems like such a bad idea. It's it seems. <laughs> I'm I am in no way qualified to talk about the science behind this, but it seems very complicated to pull something like this off. But I mean, that's that's what we've got so far in terms of dealing with that problem. That's. In my opinion, at least from what I've seen, the biggest hurdle for us to cross in terms of this terraforming process. Yeah. And that's easy as one, two, three, right? Like, you have that, and then you could terraform a, a planet. I mean, that's kind of what the game says, right? We need what? Oceans, oxygen, and atmosphere. Those are the three things. you got a planet. <laughs> kind of brush aside the magnetosphere thing for now. Actually, Spencer, that's the bare minimum of what you need to terraform a planet. Uh, there's still, you got to think about all the biology needs. I also got to think about something I was thinking about is the, what plants do you bring? Mm. Like what, what ecosystems do you start? Or do you just throw everything out there and say, go for it? See what like, sticks. You have to slowly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe, uh, uh, the sugar gliders are going to be really big here. Oh, that'd be so cool. They're like dogs. <laughs> No, they're like little tiny... Never no, mind. but I'm saying like they would be our dogs <laughs> oh, oh, on Mars. Oh, okay, gotcha. That makes more sense. <laughs> they're like dogs. No, they're nothing like I know that. everything there is to know about sugar gliders. <laughs> I picked the right animal. But there there are all these these thoughts about, about ecosystems and, and biology and, and if we even should. <laughs> yeah, the whole ethics idea. And, I mean, we would... Because there are is at least potentially microbial life on Mars and us terraforming it would probably result in the destruction of that life. And so 
ethically are we even allowed to do that? Have we would we have officially invaded our first planet by mm-hmm. doing so? And then other people think that we should just run our natural course and we screwed up the earth and we should just deal with it and if we get destroyed it was our own damn fault. Like a captain going down with the <laughs> ship sort of thing. Yep. But that's terraforming Mars. Yeah. It's so simple. We've only scratched the surface of what you actually need to do or the intricacies on how you do each one of those things. The board game's a little bit more complicated. It's not a um, gateway game. It's definitely for people who are used to resource management mm-hmm. games. But even then, it was it, just getting into it without like a clear direction. It was a little harder to start It was a little up. hard. About, I think there was maybe like halfway or maybe even 75% of the way through the game, you and I finally kind of clicked on what we were supposed to be doing. And so I'd actually really like to try playing the game again with a, a better understanding of it. But it was cool, at least from the research that we've seen, thinking back about the game. Yeah, it, it tries to address a lot of these issues that are important and necessary to the terraforming process. So I'd recommend the game to anybody who's interested in this sort of concept or this theme or who are really into those kind of heavier, crunchier, resource management, almost Euro-like games. Absolutely. Well, you got anything else? That's all I got. Well, thank you guys for listening to Beyond the Board. If you have any questions, comments, or want to tell us that we're wrong, uh, you can send those to beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at goingbtb. Or you can subscribe. Just hit that little subscribe button on the Apple iTunes or your Stitcher or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Now, where did I leave that nuke? It's not going to work. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash Thanks for listening. <laughs>